RadioInfluence.com. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again on Live Bold and Boss Up. We chat with Stacy Miller this week. She is a U.S. Army military spouse, and she's also a partner over at Bright Investments. Uh, she is a wealth advisor, and she's been featured in many different places like CNBC, Money Magazine, Investment News, Her Money, and much more. So we really get a great perspective from military and financial for Gen Z people all the way to retirement. She's got a great article about um, really having to bridge that gender wage gap. Um, and then we talk about how she hopped around at different jobs and how she dealt with that. So really great tips for job seekers in here, uh, both from a job perspective and money. So I I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much, Stacey, for joining us today on the Bold and Boss Up. We're so excited to learn about your journey and about your business today. Super exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat too. Yeah, no, um, I was looking forward to it because we haven't had anything like this yet on the podcast. So I think this is obviously something that I think a lot of businesses should be aware of. And especially Tampa Bay, you taught me a lot in our initial conversation, um, just about Tampa Bay and being a military spouse community. Um, so I want to dig into a little bit more of that and, um, hear about your journey. So you were a you are a business owner and a military spouse. That's correct. Yep. My husband is uh, retired now from the military after 27 years with the army. Wow. So how long have you now been in Tampa Bay? Um, We've actually been here six years. It feels like six months. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it feels like 60 years sometimes too, but um, very proud and excited lifelong um, campaigns going forward. So um, we've retired here. We're going to stay here. Awesome. That's good to hear. Cause we're both pretty much Tampa natives. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised here and Ashley is pretty much Tampa native. So yeah. it's good to hear people coming to the area and liking it so much that they're staying. So, you know, up until this point, you had to move around a lot, obviously change jobs a lot. How is that? I feel like that would be very challenging trying to keep a job moving around so much. Mm-hmm. It's extraordinarily challenging. In fact, um, it's almost impossible. Um, but in 27 years uh, together with my husband and being in the military, we moved 14 times. And that's not within the same community. Um, it's from state to state, oftentimes from coast to coast. So 14 times in 27 years, you have to quit a job if you had one and have to kind of reinvent the wheel at the next place. So my story is not that different from other military spouses, but I have been unemployed or underemployed uh, for most of my adult life. Um, and, and so extremely challenging for sure. Stacy, when you say underemployed, I'm assuming you're, you're meaning like a, a role that you're, you're, you know, have already surpassed before in your experience. Is that, is that what you're referring to? It is um, seniority, so to speak. So I have a master's in business um, administration. I've had that uh, since I was a young woman and um, 
have had to turn down jobs that I was qualified for, but either couldn't take it because we were moving um, or so forth. And it, sometimes you're in places that just don't have the availability for what I am able to do competence wise. So you take something just to uh, have an income, just to stay busy. I've changed industries because availability isn't always what I want and need. And it can take quite a bit of time to find the right position. And sometimes you just don't have the time. And oh, by the way, you're moving again. So that's it exactly. How long have you been in each place? Was it was it like traditionally like a, a year? Was it six months? Was it all over the place? Um, it ranged from six months to I think four years was our longest um, time in one place. But 14 moves in 27 years you do the math, it's moving pretty frequently. Yeah, absolutely. That that was kind of one of my like questions for you, because I think a lot of candidates nowadays deal with maybe not the military part, but the looking like you're a job hopper, right? And really not knowing how to express why you had to move on. So I mean, did you put something special on your resume to show why you left? Or I'm sure the conversations and the interviews were really interesting. You probably were repeating yourself a lot. For sure. Um, That's actually very common among military spouses is how do we fill in those gaps? I say a lot of times that if you read my resume, it looks like I'm a drunken sailor because I'm you know, (laughs) over here in this industry and now I'm over there in that industry. Uh, and I filled, I filled in the gaps, if you will, through volunteering. I'm a professional volunteer. That helps to you know, increase your skills, um, you know, makes your resume look more full and uh, fills in, especially those leadership type roles. But that, that's very common uh, conversation. And frankly, hiring managers don't always know I might even say don't often know, you know, how to interpret a a veteran resume or a military spouse resume, because while they may appreciate your service out of patriotism, or even if they understand that, it's hard to translate the soft skills that a military spouse brings to the table when we don't necessarily have the paid results from uh, those opportunities. Yeah, I think being a military spouse Um, you have to be very resilient. You have to be able to, you know, handle change. And I feel like those are all great qualities for someone hiring, like for any employee, there's so many qualities that you've had to go through by being a military spouse or in the military, moving around a lot that you could bring to the table, you know, differently than a normal civilian. I, I think so. Yes. Um, Military spouses, like you said, they're resilient. Um, They're also loyal. That's something that uh, is different maybe than other employees because we're so grateful to get the job, to get that opportunity that we're willing to just, you know, do it for any amount of money uh, forever if it's um, a good working relationship. So definitely a lot of skills um, come from moving all the time dealing, you know, problem solvers. I can promise you a military spouses are the best problem solvers on the planet because when you move to a place and don't know that community and you don't know how to turn on your electricity and your household goods get delivered upside down 
and you've got to find a way to feed your family. We're problem solvers, and uh, that's what all hiring managers are looking for. Uh, It's just a matter of the military spouse communicating that message and the hiring manager being open to understanding and appreciating the opportunity. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Are there certain um, initiatives or benefits that a company gets by hiring? I know there's veteran programs, but military spouse programs that they so yeah, their veteran programs are have been established for some time, and military spouses have kind of followed on the coattails of that um, initiative from several years ago. And there are opportunities now uh, through a couple of different things that we have here in Tampa Bay that allow businesses, small businesses, large businesses to be a part of the conversation in hiring military spouses. I I can't tell you how many hiring managers that have jumped into this and have decided, okay, I'm going to hire a military spouse, how grateful they are, how valuable they feel like military spouses are as employees. And so the more employers that we can get involved in understanding and sharing with in their teams, the value of military spouses, they often find that it's not, um, you know, their patriotic duty to hire a military spouse, but it is good business sense. And so uh, definitely there's some opportunities, especially in Tampa Bay. No, that's great. And I think, you know, companies need to be aware of that. You know, I think it's a good um, initiative to get involved with and just to be aware of, Um, especially here in Tampa, we have McDill right there. So we see a lot of this here. Um, McDill is actually unique uh, as far as military service is concerned, mm -hmm. because we have two global commands here, which means we're a little top heavy. We have 38 general officers that serve out of McDill and some of the senior officers that would be the, the a leader of the pack at another organization, Fulberg Colonels, for example, they're, you know, there's, they're a dime a dozen. And so it's senior leaders that are here in McDill mostly. And that means they're bringing spouses who are likely senior leaders as well. My husband in a leadership role Um, would often yield to me being in a volunteer leadership role for the other spouses, for the community, for the the military base and the unit there. So McDill is uh, just a unique opportunity. Can you you share with us some of the um, maybe tips that you've learned from interviewing and sharing like how you're, how you're job hoppy or how, you know, how you can maybe not even the job hoppingness, right. But maybe like the, your skills, right. All over the board, how you can articulate to each hiring manager, what they, what they need to hear. Is there like some sort of not catch all, but like some sort of tip that you can share with people who maybe are going through the same thing. Like how do you communicate your skills to them and do you have like multiple resumes too? You might you might have created multiple ones just, just based on the roles that, that you see in the area that are available. Definitely. And I'm going to go back to what I said a few minutes ago, right? The, the bottom line, the thing message that I want to communicate is it's not your patriotic duty to hire a military spouse. It's good business sense. 
And I can prove that out by sharing the soft skills and the stories behind how I, you know, attained those soft skills, became, um, excel at them, mm-hmm. things like leadership and problem solving that we mentioned earlier. So it's a conversation that is easier for me to have now because I value the hiring managers and the organizations that value what I bring to the table. If I can't communicate that message, they don't understand um, what I'm trying to say, then I probably don't want to work there anyway. Um, and, but that's a hard, that's a hard place to come to, especially if you're a young military spouse, you need that income to, you know, support your family. It's harder to say thanks, but no thanks. I'm not sure that I even want to work for you. It goes back to, again, what I said earlier, being grateful that you, you have a job offer to do anything, you know, even if it's below your salary below um, your education and skills level. Um, but the, you know that definitely you have to embrace the soft skill side as opposed to what the you know resume is communicating years of experience doing X, y and Z for X number of dollars. So that's the biggest difference I think in that message. right. right. Maybe and maybe they can find like whatever soft skill that they're looking for, um, you know, pull in some of those experiences that, that you've had, like going into a completely new city and trying to turn on the electric, maybe, it, maybe it correlates with that soft skill. And maybe you can just, if you just communicate, right. And share, share those, um, those pieces with them, maybe that would, that would be enough. It is. And again, the hiring manager has to be open to hearing it. Uh, and I have to be confident in my communicating the value that I can add to the organization. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that um, companies allowing their employees to work remotely more now, especially in the past year and a half, has helped um, with that unemployment piece? And whenever you move, now you're able to keep jobs longer? 100%. Um, military spouses were seeking remote employment opportunities before COVID and was extremely challenging because those opportunities generally were customer service on the phone. And so if you're highly educated and highly skilled, that's maybe not the right fit. And that goes to that underemployment part that you mentioned earlier. So yes, remote work, now that it's more readily acceptable because of COVID, because we've all had to make this adjustment, is a wonderful thing for military spouses, finding those opportunities, finding those organizations that are willing to continue those remote opportunities uh, is going to be a wonderful thing to help military spouse um, spouses in their success professionally. Uh, is that kind of what got you in to the financial side of things is, you know, trying to help other families or women in in similar situations kind of budget or like, how did you, how did you start bright investments? Like how did that come to fruition? So um, it's an interesting story. I mentioned earlier, I have my MBA and I got it at Auburn university and um, someone that I got my MBA with was uh, working on wall street and I had, you know, many years in the finance industry. And his goal was to start an investment management firm. 
And he invited me to be his partner. We actually have two other partners as well to, because he could understand the value that I brought to the table that I couldn't communicate on a resume. And so in all truthfulness, the finance industry, while um, I love finance, I love corporate finance. What I don't love is how the industry um, is portrayed and continues to be portrayed in a negative light. So I was hesitant to become a financial advisor because I didn't trust financial advisors. And so I set some uh, limitations on how I wanted to do that. And that led me to getting uh, my CFP, which is uh, I'm a certified financial planner. So the benefit is that I have worked remotely for the firm this whole time, so five years. And, uh, you know, so that fits into that military spouse category. My husband's retired now. We have four offices, so I can still travel as needed. But again, with COVID, clients are more accepting of uh, video calls and phone calls than they were previously. But um, it was it was that opportunity, someone that could see uh, the skills and talent that I could bring to the table in a way that would allow me to do what I wanted to do. And what I've done my whole adult life is take care of families, take care of, you know, especially women, because there's no one that understands better feeling insecure in my own future financial security than a military spouse. I've always had to rely on my spouse's income for paying the bills because of all of the job problems that I've had along the way. And extrapolate that, I also have had to rely on his uh, retirement saving for us because as I'm unemployed or underemployed, I'm not able to contribute to a workplace retirement plan. So my financial security um, was insecurity. And so I know that better than anyone else maybe. And so I know a lot of women feel the same way that they are, um, they don't feel secure about their future, um, you know, financial life, whether it's five years down the road or retirement, whatever it is. And so I, I love working with those women and those families that want to gain more confidence in that. And I, I can empathize in a way I think that is unique um, to the industry. No, I love that. I feel like your journey and your passion, you know, bringing you to the business. I mean, that speaks volumes rather than someone who just, you know, decided they just wanted to get in the um, industry. And right. Yeah. You have that passion and that uh, experience behind it from having like been there and, and struggled with that. So. And, and really, I, I love all your articles. I know I was saying this kind of off, off camera before, but I love all the articles that you've written for that are, that are structured for women and Gen Z. And I was reading through them. I think that they're very, very helpful. And I love all the tips that you give because you just try to, you know, reach out in different ways, right. That aren't, I think, typical, right. For a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I thank you for that. Those kind words. Um, it's, it's been a fun journey. Um, like I said, I, the financial services industry, I don't think does itself any favors in some of the ways that it's, um, works. 
But our firm is fee only fiduciary because that's how we feel the most comfortable. You know, that that level of integrity is something that's very important to me and to the firm. So um, asking for business, I'm not a salesperson. I don't have any products to sell and sales is not a comfortable place for me. But I do have skills and training and education and I the desire to help people and the empathy to understand that lack of confidence in your future financial security. So uh, that's how I've started communicating that message to my prospective clients is, you know, I, I understand this. Here's some information so that you can feel more confident. Um, sometimes people, women, men, doesn't matter, don't feel confident and also don't have the time or energy to want to deal with finances. It's not always everybody's fun thing to do. They'd rather be out on the beach or 400 other things probably. So that allows for them to delegate that to someone that um, they can trust and have confidence in going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what you said on the sales piece, because I feel the same way, like Ashley and I were both on the same page. Um, I don't really like that word salesperson because it's really more about building relationships and helping people like in our world. Um, you know, I feel like if you're passionate about that and you're, and you're, you know, true to yourself and, and really passionate about what you do, then it's, that's the sales. Like you're not, you're not selling people on, you know, something. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't have any products to sell. A lot of financial services companies do. They have you want to invest with them, here's these 10 things that you can invest in. And that's not how we're structured because that's not a comfortable place for me. And that's, um, I I think there's more integrity and not having just the 10 products or whatever the number is that I can provide advice or planning or, you know, whatever it is um, based on my education, my skills, my experience. Um, But it comes from a place you know, that I've been, that I sometimes still am in, um, you know, lacking confidence in my own financial security. So sharing that message um, is very important to me. And you're right, I am passionate about helping people take care of that in, in whatever ways, is, you know, they need help with. Mm-hmm. And we'll include some of those links too in the, in our show notes and the on the bottom, so that way people can have access to those and see those as well because they are great articles. Yeah, they are. And actually, I was going to ask you one of your articles was um, um, really focused on women and how women themselves can bridge the gap in the um, really just being underpaid, right? In that piece, and I wrote down some of your tips because I thought like. They're great tips. Like the first one is ask for a raise or a promotion. And it's, it sounds so simple, but I think as women or just in general, if people feel underpaid, I don't think that they necessarily ask for a raise or ask for that next step. You know, they just kind of expect it to be handed to them when really you need to take hold of your, of your future. And and that's part of the communication, um, difference, right? If women are assertive, they're, you know, they're said, no, you're being too aggressive. Well, no, I'm being assertive. And if a man was doing the same thing, you would think, go, go you. But it's, you know, it's, it's just different. It's the psychology of um, gender and uh, the psychology of money. It's 
it's not any different. So yeah, women, there's lots of statistics that say women generally won't ask for a raise or a promotion unless they're 100% confident that they have everything that they need to do that. Whereas a man would apply for that raise or promotion with maybe only 60 or 70% um, of the skills and things that they need. And, and so it's, it's about rolling the dice and having the confidence and putting yourself out there. Generally, it's a little uh, more challenging for women. And uh, so, yes, that's a simple uh, tip and recommendation, but it's not as simple to execute. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's where the challenge is. But sometimes you just need the confidence of someone saying, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? You don't get that razor promotion. But what's the best that can happen if you put yourself out there and do it? You get it. And so, you know, there's that um, gender wage gap. Women make 82 cents uh, for every dollar that a man makes. And those numbers become extraordinary when you look at it from a race perspective as well as gender. And as I shared with my personal story, that you know, retirement um, and future financial security, it just compounds. If you're only making 82 cents and you have to take time off because you move as a military spouse or you move, you know, with whatever other job that your spouse has and you lose those opportunities to contribute to your future financial security, your workplace retirement plans. So that 18 cent gap just keeps growing and growing and growing to create this, um, huge gap called the gender wealth gap. And what's frightening about that is women generally outlive men. So they actually need more money than men do because they have more years to continue to, you know, pay the bills. So So women should actually get paid more than men. (laughs) Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I heard you. (laughs) One hundred percent. So what tips can you give women in either the business world or if they're a military spouse, like what would you say is like, you know, the top, I guess you can separate those like a business woman who maybe who wants to ask for that raise or, or whatever, or to a military spouse, you know, trying to find a job, what tips would you give them to, to help, you know, get progress in their career? I should say. Sure. I, I think um, either side it takes comp- the confidence to, you know, take that risky step to apply for a job that might be outside of what you're doing currently. But I bet you could knock out of the park if you just could get a chance or a military spouse. Um, it's take. I think it at the bottom line, it takes confidence. And so, how do you get confidence? It can be uh, your support system, your circle of influence. It can just be, you know, what I said earlier, roll the dice. What's the worst that can happen if you don't, um, you know, I'm going to refer to a, a thing that's often in um, financial uh, publications about lattes, right? You go to Starbucks or whatever coffee shop and there's a $5 latte and the message, uh, which I think affects women more so is don't buy the latte for $5. You know, you could take that $5 and invest it and you'd be much better off. I have the different approach, which is if the latte is going to give you the energy boost because of the caffeine or just the joy of a treat for the day, 
that's going to help you knock it out of the park in whatever you're doing during the day, then spend those $5 because you're investing in yourself. And so that would be my recommendation. Not that everybody goes and gets a latte, but that you invest in yourself. I love that. I am, I am right there with you. I feel like, you know, Hey, if you want to get, do this or do that, I mean, obviously you have to, you know, be within your means. You can't be crazy about it and go buy like a vehicle or whatever, but I think you should invest in yourself because it's going to make you happier and more confident. And you need to be those things in order to, you know, get that next step and to move forward. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's not necessarily the designer handbag. We are only talking about the $5 latte. I don't, if the designer handbag helps you in an interview, um, get that job because they think you're something, I don't know, but, um, definitely, you know, and it's a very common conversation. You've probably heard don't, don't buy the $5 latte. You know, you, you could do better things with your money than that. But, um, I really truly believe you know, when I spend $5 on latte, it's because I need the energy to continue doing something that I need to do to earn my salary, or it's going to give me enough joy, which fills my tank to continue doing whatever it is I'm I'm doing. It's very important in my um, perspective. Right. Right. And I, I personally think I know, I know a lot of military spouses need those roles, um, you know, to, to bring in the income when they are, you know, finally in a, in a location that they can stay at for maybe six months to whatever, four years. But I also want them to know that they should also know their, their value too. like, don't settle. Um, but I think it's maybe helpful to know what the market conditions are like currently right now. Um, it's a candidate market. So for those, military spouses that are looking for a role, um, you know, certainly don't, don't settle where you could, you could find a role that, that is certainly at, at your value and at your skill level. Um, but of course, if the, if the market is the other way, where there's just a flood of candidates, then that's a different story. I think they might have to, you know, kind of bend and flex there, but knowing the market might be helpful as well. And I think in Tampa Bay, um, something that is again, unique here, we have so many new small businesses and, you know, new ventures. And I think that's the perfect fit for the military spouse because they're looking for someone that has multiple skills, right? They only want to hire one person to maybe wear eight different hats. So those small businesses are the perfect fit for the military spouse and, and his or her um, problem solving skills and, and communication skills. So that's a really great opportunity, not to say that the Fortune 500 companies don't have uh, those opportunities too, but again, they're generally looking for someone that's maybe going to do customer service or uh, something that is below the education and skill level of many military spouses who also, you know, I mentioned volunteering to fill in those gaps. We've also gone back to school and we're like some really highly educated people because, oh, we can't get a job. Let, let me get another degree or another certificate. So, um, but definitely in Tampa Bay, that has been my um, perspective that the small businesses and the military spouses are the perfect fit for one another. No, that's a great point. We just had um, Jill and Jeremy on from the Tampa Bay Tech. And um, getting involved in organizations like that or 
Leadership Tampa, which I know that you um, just got involved in. So congratulations on that. Thank so you. you can meet people and, you know, meet other business professionals by getting involved and volunteering, you know, just to, to meet people. And then Tampa Bay is a great startup community, which I think is awesome. I'm excited about that too. But yeah, just getting out and meeting people and the startup mm-hmm. idea is a great, great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story with us today. Yeah, it was such, it was so great talking with you and um, we're going to post the brightinvestmentsllc.com so everyone can go and check out your articles and, um, and help themselves. And I hope this was helpful for our listeners and until next time, live bold and boss up. Thank you ladies for having me. Um, Appreciate it. And I hope to chat with you again soon.